Hello, welcome back to another episode of Zenith Podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Davila. This is where we explore culture, relationships, nature, art, consciousness, and the appreciation of life. I'm here with Victoria Hernandez. She's a recent guest from our episode back in season one. She's also a recent graduate with a bachelor's degree in Kelsey Long Beach with religion and philosophy, as well as a co-host now for her own podcast called Breakfast in a Luminal Zone. Welcome, Victoria. Hi, thank you for having me back. I am so happy to talk with you again. Of course. I mean, like after the first episode, I realized how uh how like how easy the conversation was, how much we talked, but also how little we got through how much we wanted to talk about. I like, feel like we just scratched the surface we of the really things did. we wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and the first it was about like mythology, catavasis, mm-hmm. you know, and experience of life. We even shared our own experiences with psychedelics in that episode you know so if that's something you're interested in go back to season one look up victoria hernandez and you'll find our episode there Mm -hmm. amazing listen it's actually one of the highest performing episodes of our season one yeah love you for that thank you oh man thank you for the wonderful opportunity yeah of course and like i absolutely love how in our first episode we were both going to school you know to like in our respective degrees Mm -hmm. and now we've kind of gone full circle where we've both passed that first stage of Mm -hmm. the higher education you know oh my god and like seeing like how we're grown now like we're still in the process of growing but like to see where what are the things that we learned in school or like now being put into effect you know yeah how do you feel about that like you know from everything that you learn in school the like the curriculum what you went through like do you feel that it's it's like beneficial and it's something that like you hold dearly to Oh, absolutely. Like, I, if it's not so much the content of what I learned in school, it was also about like the tools and the things that I learned from being a student as well, like learning how to speak better, how to, you know, perform and how to be able to use my knowledge, you know, with more credibility. And that's what I want to do, you know, like for my future career, like I want to be able to show like I am, I know what I'm talking about, you know, and then also have like these great conversations with people so that I can learn so much from them too, because that's ideally what I want to do is that I need to talk to people. I love to talk to people, especially when it comes to their background, their cultures, their religious ideologies. And what's the better way than to honestly sit and talk with them with, you know, with respect and with school and everything like it's taught me how to listen how to really take part and take notes of what is being said what i'm doing and everything and just the content itself like it's just fascinating like i feel like a lot of people are you know many many people are religious some say that they're not or they don't you know abide by any religious um you know, party, but they also are spiritual. Some are even agnostic and, you know, atheist. Even that is something that I count as, you know, uh, partake in some type of religious um, party, you know? And so like, even when you say that you're not, but I love talking to people about that and learning more about it. And so it just brings me closer to my fellow friends and families and strangers who are just, who just want to share, you know? so yeah yeah it's i mean it's so interesting how you know religion 
has gotten to this point where like like you said there's kind of two different avenues of religion that people see mm-hmm. there's a spiritual aspect of it you know where you explore yourself you explore your surroundings you know and find meaning within of it within it but that also there's this part where there's this institutionalized aspect of religion you mm-hmm. know where there's organization there's rules there's a structure and some people might not really like you know fully abide or even like relate connect to that aspect of religion you know and i, right. I think i fall under that umbrella mm-hmm. where i don't fully feel connected to an institution but i am very much in tune with my spiritual self mm-hmm. which is wonderful that's also like equally as you know credible to be able to go along your religious and spiritual path in life because like being maybe a solo practitioner or just one who just follows you know their instincts or what their heart is telling them to do um versus those who feel like they want to be a part of a greater whole it's like the institutionalized part of religion like brings people together you know it's like everybody is participating in the chanting everyone's participating in you know reading it's like a sense of community that's there exactly and some people really need that as well you know and so like either one is equally as you know viable and even those who refuse to take part in all that they also have a different outtake in life you know like those who say that they're agnostic or don't believe in a higher power like their view of life is also interesting because they may be more secular and that's a whole other area itself you know like they understand more of the science aspect of living you know when it comes to the decomposing part of like the human body versus like evolution sp- natural exactly. selection mm-hmm. yeah. and like others have like this other spiritual sense or they have this other way of like seeing like how the body transforms into this or you know they transform into light or any something else you know it, it's very it varies completely yeah well i mean in science you know energy cannot be created or destroyed it mm-hmm. can only be transferred so exactly. when you put that you know perspective into death and life mm-hmm. it really does change how you see it you know because like it at least for me it led me to, you know i have the belief that like death is not the end Mm -hmm. but i don't know what happens past it you know right yeah Mm -hmm. but okay so before we get into that though i want to talk about like how you love talking people you know and you started your own podcast Mm -hmm. you know called breakfast in aluminum zone yeah yeah how did that go because that happened within the last year before Mm -hmm. you know when we recorded the last episode within this year shout out to my buddy diego herrera he's the one who's the also another co-founder with um who's taking part in this I went to school with him in Long Beach, and so he studied history, and, you know, with me, like, religion and history kind of, like, overlaps really well, and he was in a class of mine, we were taking a pagan class, early ancient pagan um, classes, and so, like, we just love talking about things, because, like, we are both very much into the occult when it comes to certain practices, like, at least, like, learning about this stuff, certain parts of history, and he's such a very eccentric guy, and, like, he's so fun to talk to, um, and so when we used to see each other at school, we will just, like, sit and jab for hours so quickly, and so we always told ourselves, we should have a podcast, because, you know, because, like, we just talk and talk and talk, and, you know, it was just one of those things that always were said, but never really came into fruition, but until over the past few months, I get a message from him and he's like building like the sound room in his garage and like he showed me like his mics and everything and he was like so when are we doing this 
I'm like, are we really doing this? And he's like, yes. He's like, when are we going to have our episode? Like, let's do this now. I'm like, you know what? Let's seize the moment. Let's go for it. You know, I thought it was just, again, one of those things where we're just always like, playing ha, around. Ha, that'll be cool. You yeah. Know? But yeah. no, this is really pushing me out of my comfort zone. It's really like pushing me to do the things that I want to do. This is the best push that I needed to help me grow, you know? And so, yeah, me and Diego, Breakfast in the Liminal Zone, we talk about all kinds of things. Um, A lot of it has to do with history and culture. We love to bring in people to come and chat with us, like very similar, like how you do it. Like you have, you know, guests who are specialized in certain areas and they just want to share that with you. And we want to open our our talk, our podcast for that as well. And so we only have a few episodes now, but we're going to record later on today too. And so um, we've go into totally different topics and ideas. Our first episode was on Bigfoot and he gave me the rundown about like the different cultural like variations of Bigfoot from different parts of the world. Like Bigfoot isn't just in Seattle or in the Northwest of America. Like Bigfoot is shown in different places. Yeah, I mean like, yeah, like the Yeti Mm -hmm. in Asia, like there's so many different interpretations of it. Like just like dragons, you know? Exactly, exactly that, you know? And so like... It was a really educational talk because, like, I didn't know that much about Bigfoot, but he was just laying it down on me. I did an episode on the history of Medusa. So I was bringing in different mythologies about her because we all know Medusa as the snake-haired woman, monstrous, who can turn people into stone. And we've been, like, conditioned to hate her and to, or, like, to fear her. But I'm I have, like, this feminist point of view where i talk about who was she really and did she really deserve to be hated so it was just me kind of yeah, like like what about is that, that story representing exactly yeah exactly. I, I think we've talked about that i'm not sure if it was in a podcast but i do remember you sharing those ideas with me mm-hmm. and yeah no that's definitely something i want to look into i will definitely listen check out your your episode yeah, for that thank you yeah. any of those who are interested like please check us out we have an instagram and a twitter um but yeah more to come yeah, in what's the what's the instagram uh breakfast underscore between each word is an underscore so breakfast in the liminal zone um if you find me on my instagram page you'll be able there's a link on my bio that takes you to it and stuff awesome so. yeah i mean also there will be a link uh attached here on zenith of all the sources we're going to talk about as well as how to reach victoria and i'll put the instagram at at, at, the, at the information of it so just check out the bio of this episode and you'll be able to find her no problem wonderful thank you of course of course so today's episode is about death done death positivity done. though like mm-hmm. this is something that when we were first like sharing ideas bouncing like bouncing ideas off each other like what can we talk about it like this concept fascinated me because it is something that you know especially like you know, like, I mean, it makes it's really it's always been relevant. Death is always relevant because it's a fixed part, it's part of, our of life. humanity. Yes. And life in general. And, you know, some people tend to be very uncomfortable about the idea, the concept of death. You know, it's a taboo topic where people mm-hmm. are scared to mention it, are scared to face it, scared to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. you know. So this gives time for the person who's helping prepare, like, you know, the service reflect upon their own selves you know there's this old um, latin saying called memento mori and it's supposed to it signifies 
you know, the sweet reminder of your own mortality. This was a saying that they used back in the day because we're never guaranteed our full life. You know, life can end at any moment because it's so fragile. Life is so fragile. So what can we do to maximize our opportunities, our ways of living? And that just could go on to so many different ways based on the individual, you know? And so like, it fascinates me to see how other people are able to use that to be able to live their lives. Another similar, you know, quote that goes by with like this life affirmation is Ciel la vie or um, Carpe Diem. You know, that's a very famous one. If anybody who's seen Dead Poets Society, like that's a really great movie. And the whole movie is based on that saying Carpe Diem, meaning seize the moment. And they're both very much life-affirming quotes. So that like, what are you doing in this waking time of your life to do the things that is geared towards your better self, you know? And so I've had, other than my studies that has taken me down this rabbit hole, um, I've had personal experiences as well that brought me to these wild eye-opening epiphanies you know that showed me like wow like it's not just books that I've read that tells me about this stuff it's actual life experiences too um in the last episode I mentioned about this one experience where I was going through my own ego death and that itself was terrifying (laughs) you know because I was I thought I was dying and so fast forward you know to 2021 where I was helping my grandfather because he passed away last summer too, alongside with my dad, you know, three days afterwards. And, but with my grandfather, he was at home. He was on hospice care when he was starting to transition. And so me living at home with my grandparents gave me that full exposure on how to see the lifeline reduce over time you know and like having him being comfortable and at like trust me he was going through all of these emotions it was a crazy transition to see him so macho the way I always saw him as a kid you know he was the patriarchal figure of my family he was the one who my dad wasn't with us most of the time but my grandpa took on the spot to be the dad for me and my brothers and to see him decline you know, was completely surreal. It was such a surreal experience for me and my family. And, you know, from the whole pandemic for it was being a blessing and a curse where, you know, it was a huge weird time in human time, these are modern time. I lost my jobs, you know, I wasn't working. I was only going to school, but I was at home. And so being at home gave me the opportunity to be with my grandfather 24 seven while he was declining. And so it was amazing because he opened up to me. Like I've never, like I never saw him did before as a kid, you know, he, again, he held that machismo, you know, act of himself, you know, like most Hispanic men do, but seeing him accept that he is dying, he is sick, and he needs people to help him, to take care of him. It was hard for him, and it was hard for us too. And But to be there with him was like crazy. 
And so I'm so honored that he trusted me through this process because my grandma was there too. Don't get me wrong. My family members, my aunt played a huge part in this as well. My brother totally stepped it up and started helping out around home so much more. Everyone was doing their part. I was there with him for the medicinal reasons, like for medical stuff when it came to helping him out with the hospice care and being that company where he can talk to like talk to someone about this um because I think I had more of the language and the vocabulary to be able to understand what he was going through and for him to feel comfortable because he knew that he's like well this girl studies you know did she studies this in school and so it made it easier for him to open up to me um he was never really a religious guy he again he did he was catholic but he never really practiced it and stuff but um like he rarely ever did but he was going through this crazy existential moment where he was just doubting everything and he was really coming to terms with what does it mean to be with god you know like it was crazy for him to ask for a priest um to talk to people from the hospice homes and everything and well so like basically he started asking for a chaplain and a chaplain is pretty much the ordained pastor who works in a hospice and he you know he helps fulfill you know some type of spiritual religious need that they have questions for for the dying patient like a shaman but specifically for that religion yeah exactly okay. and so like um depends on the hospice and you know um whoever it may be it is that you know ordained or you know that central person that can help with those areas you know back in the tri like back in the tribes and like early set like uh, um i won't say settlements but like yeah, tribes, basically, they have shamans that conduct these things. The shamans were the guides to help the person go through this process. And exactly that. And the chaplain that was helping my grandpa, I loved him because, like, he didn't just... He restricted, like, he completely stopped himself from going to the traditional this is god's way you know like this is all of god's um calling for you you know go on my grandpa didn't want to hear that he just had questions he had like open-ended questions that it was hard to answer but my grandpa needed to voice that and so this chaplain was giving him different examples of like Buddhist techniques, how the Eastern sees death, you know, how Eastern people interact with death and such. And like, he loved his questions with more questions, but also being, also in seeing that this is very normal for us to ask, because to be fair, we don't know the answers, which I thought was the real truth, you know, because like, it's so easy to say like, you're going to go to heaven, you'll be fine. You know, God, you're going to have your mansion in the high heavens. But no, he was real, even though he's a pastor, he was like, we don't know. But what you're asking is completely normal. So my grandpa just was left with open ended questions, which oddly enough, made him come to terms with like, you know what, I might as well just trust trust the process if I can't is completely settle my belief in something and it was crazy because he was really up at night like he was being tortured with this idea of like not knowing for so long but the thing is like I feel like he was torturing himself because he won't he wouldn't let himself I think he was in denial for a while 
and the existential angst just like buried on top of him and he just didn't know what to do. And that probably added more stress. Yes, it was. It felt like his physical body was dying, but there's a part of him that was still hanging on and that felt like torture because he's like, just kill me already. But there, there was something else saying like, not yet, not yet. And so that lasted for some time. And then afterwards, there was this moment for almost a week he was going in and out of consciousness and like his body seemed like it was like staying still he was dying but he was just like present but then he was like in this other subconscious state and i believe he was traveling i believe like once he accepted i think it's time for me to go his soul was traveling into other realms and this is what the buddhists call the bardo stage you know it's this period of time where the spirit is kind of tying up loose ends you know in the world subconsciously yes and so like he it's like here in the material world where we were you know talking to him he was just out of it he was just like he wasn't sleeping but he was just he was sleeping but he was just not talking to us he wasn't really eating but he wasn't dying at that moment just yet does that make sense you know yeah so this was like a week long yeah it was about like yeah it was about like five days seven days and there was times where i heard him talking to himself like he would just be by himself in the room and he was just talking there are times where he told us that he saw his mother in the room with him and he saw like as he was laying down in his bed he saw people circling around him, just telling him, like, it's okay. You know, oh they're reaching their God, arms out. I'm chills. Yeah, and, like, with him, like, this was, to hear this guy talk about this, that's how we knew this shit is real. Like, we know he's really experiencing this. Because, again, like, coming from a guy who's like, I don't practice that, I don't believe in all this, or blah, 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 to really having this spiritual journey. And so, like... It was amazing. It was amazing. I feel like that might be like, uh, there's a term of like surrendering at one point, yes. which, you know, might have been what he went through mm-hmm. that allowed him to fully get like past this threshold, exactly, you know? Exactly. Exactly that, you know? And it's like, talk about catabasis. It's like you're going down into the underworld. You're being pulled in where you're seeing the lost souls you're in this dark journey that only makes sense to you but when you pass that threshold when you're able to get through that dark stage yes who knows what lays on the other side for you and and that's very beautiful that he was able to like feel his mother see his mother you know that's something that he probably wasn't prepared for you know or even anticipating yeah and wow that's that's that it truly is like that is so beautiful yeah i can't like it was amazing and he was so supported he was given professional help medical help and support from his family to have him go through this process as comfortable as he wanted to be not stuck in a hospital home where he was only able to allow like one or two visits per day you know like the family was constantly with him and while he was going through that actually afterwards too after he passed, you know, he, it really left an imprint on me, you know, like it really got me thinking like, well, fuck, you know, like, what is it that I would want for myself when I'm ready to go on through, you know? 
And what I was doing with him, I was, you know, his right hand man. And I found this thing that I want to look into called death doula ship. And so a doula um, is someone who assists the living. Basically, like people know birthing doulas, where it's these trained individuals who are helping a mother give birth. They give the the spiritual, humane, airy aspect. Like they're not exactly the nurse because they're not giving the medicines, but they're the one helping the mother, you know, give her birth, you know, and they're the ones like giving her like the okay. They're listening to her, you know, it's like, a woman's best friend in the process of giving birth. The end of life doula is literally on the other end of the spectrum where wow. they're assisting the deceased person or the person who's dying, I should say, come into acceptance into what they're aiming for, you know? And that's what I was helping my grandpa with. But I realized, I think this is something I want to do. And I could make a career out of it, but I don't want to look at it for like money wise. I like want a financial gain. Yeah, there is financial aspects of it because I can work with hospices. I can work, you know, in shelters and such. But that's and not homes. your intention, though. Yeah, I want to be able to be. I want to be trained in this so that I can help my own friends and family through this process. You know, because that sweet process of death is hard. It's confusing. It's scary, especially when it comes to. When, if, when the family themselves don't know what to do, right? Because they're like, what if like the death is suddenly hitting, okay? Like someone who's young and they've been diagnosed with cancer or something. And it's like, they've been told like they have like six months. It's like, oh, I didn't know I was going to, you know, I didn't know I was going to be dying at 27 or 40. I thought I was going to live a long time. So from me from now to then, what can I do? And it could be such a strain, you know, because nobody's probably not prepared for that yet. So what a doula would do is to help and kind of organize the process for them. Not only do they help the individual who's who's dying, what is it that you want to do? What do you want your last day on earth to look like? What do you want this last few months on earth to look like? As well as helping with the legality issues. So helping the family like, okay, do you have... Like, do you guys have this planned out? Do you want this? Do you have this casket for them? Do you guys have, are you guys being, um, have staying in contact with the funeral home, you know, and helping with the financial issues, you know, like, okay. So like it, there's so much that goes into this that a lot of people don't understand, like don't know until the moment happens. Yeah. But that's point, it might be too late to yeah, like prepare. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love, I love that about you. I, I love that. That's something that you feel that it's a call you know because mm. i kind of feel a similar call not necessarily in death but i have been like like the universe has randomly thrown me an opportunity to get into becoming a guide for uh like psychedelics mm. you know and it's gotten to a point where like i have a lot of friends and people who like affiliate me with that you know oh whether it's whether it's like knowing the resources on how to obtain it or like you know understanding like what are like the different types of experiences you could have you know oh, that's amazing. like it's gone to a point where like different people from different backgrounds from different connections different circles 
are seeing me like that. And that's amazing because like psychedelics can help open up a whole new way of living and understanding life. And for you to be someone, a huge advocate, I for one, and also a, a huge advocate for psychedelics and psychedelic therapy and all, and like as, as well as like indigenous practices as well with certain medicines. So like we need more people like that. People who are credible understanding and knowledgeable about this stuff you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah no I, yeah exactly that's like, amazing that is so cool that there's calls that these people that you know that we get mm-hmm. you know and it's your it's your choice whether you want to answer it mm-hmm. and you know i really hope that if this is your call you know that you are answering it because people need these like people need you you know mm-hmm. like people need someone who could be there in a time of uncertainty and not knowing and like kind of like almost like you're almost a shaman like you're a a guide like there's a there's some there's a transition that you you are gonna get an understanding of you know i feel so much more in tune with my femininity because before like in the late 1860s when public hospitals were becoming a thing now like after the civil war and stuff like um public hospitals became more um common where you know we have doctors and nurses and everything but before the public hospitals where people were going there for illnesses and deaths and all these things everything was taking place at home like i was saying earlier and it was the women who were more in like in tune with helping the deceased loved ones and so like Another area of what I love to study is women's roles in religion, especially in ancient cults. And so like women were primarily alongside with like certain shamans. Shamans could either be, you know, man or woman, but they were the ones assisting, you know, they were like, yeah, they were the ones assisting the the shaman, the, the figurehead to like helping the individual through this process and, you know. And so, like, it's a very ancient practice that I feel very in tune with. And so, like, being able to use that in a modern setting, that's the fun challenge of it, you know? And so, like, this whole experience and everything has brought me to the death positivity movement. And so, like, it's an incredible movement. Again, like, it helps. Okay, so what death positivity means right like what does that mean <laughs> a funny explanation that i've heard from caitlin Doty, the founder of this movement she uh she says i'll tell you what it not is death positivity doesn't mean that you're cheering that grandma's finally dead <laughs> it's no it's fine it's being aware and comfortable enough to talk about death with grandma or about yourself with other people you know so taking the taboo aspect of it where it's like nobody wants to talk about that shit it's more of like let's talk about it let's be productive with it let's see is it like what can we do to help each other out to prepare each other for this next step and so like it's been growing since like 2011 and like the different funeral directors advocates um people in the funeral industry participating in this movement so that people can have a more friendlier relationship with death as well as understand the understand what options they have when it comes to death because it's not you're not just simply giving your body to the funeral home you know anymore it's more of like 
what else can you do? If you want to go in the funeral home, what other options do you have? You know? And so like, I would love to become a tree. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I would love, love that. to become mm-hmm. something that can be grown, mm-hmm. you know, and like just kind of use my body as a resource for this earth, you know? Yes. And that's literally like my designated area too. Have you ever heard of human composting? Yes. Yeah. So that is new, right? Well, like it's been going on like for some time now. Like I want to say like, okay, so. Okay, so human composting, it's very ancient, but talking in the U.S. wise, it's still fairly new. I think like only in 2016, it became legal in certain states. It was like in Washington, it was, um, yeah, it was like mainly founded in Washington where that was becoming a thing. However, in last year, 2021, Governor Newsom signed a bill talking about like for natural organic reduction basically and what this offers is many areas for us to kind of erase our carbon footprint but what this does in the funeral industry is that it provides new eco-friendly and unorthodox options for remains after death so human composting is really cool like um it's like basically human composting involves putting a body into like this steel reusable vessel, like this little vessel, right? And then covering it with organic biodegradable materials. You can use materials like wood chips, alfalfa, and straw, you know? And then this soil that is so heavily nutrient-based is able to help the microbes break down the corpse and the plant matter thus transforming it into various components for nutrient-rich soil and the natural process for this where even the bones decay the whole flesh and everything's decayed naturally lasts for like a month and like you're part of the earth you're letting the earth take you as i see as god intended it you know like yeah i don't want to be i've come to the conclusion like i don't need like a ten thousand dollar casket where i'm gonna have fluffy pillows and i'm gonna have like velvet all over me it sounds nice but i want but you know it's covered in cement afterwards you know like people have this fear of like worms and bugs coming onto their corpse afterwards you know what i mean and they want to completely they want to be so comfortable in this other way where it's like they're living in a luxury hotel or something like a luxury little um flat for the rest of their lives which is this little coffin but a uh, human composting or other methods like natural burials and stuff can be one completely cost effective like you can reduce so much money from this like almost almost $10,000 worth of money can be saved with a green burial or with human composting. Wow. Yeah. And you're helping out the ecosystem and you're giving back to earth. And like what you're saying about the tree, like there are, you know, programs where your remains can be put into soil where like a tree can be, can come from you, you know? And it's like, I love these more eco-friendly green ways to like understand, like to see these options of what can happen to us after death, you know? Yeah, but the conversation of like, of the conversation leading to that's always really hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like I've, um, I've only, like I've recently 
started the 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 journey of coming in terms with my death you know and and it all started two years ago when i was diagnosed with lupus Mm. because i mean we've all had near-death experiences you know you know very like you know they could be very sudden like you know like a car accident or you know i almost drowned when i was 18 or 19 wow and when i drowned i talked about this in a podcast where i came you know in the moment where i was dying i genuinely saw my life flash before my eyes i saw all the people i love and i thought about my relationships with them mm-hmm. and i wasn't really happy with what they were which with how they were mm-hmm. and it led me down this journey which eventually like kind of connected with communication studies you know mm-hmm. being able to enhance my relationships with mm-hmm. these people with everyone and it's kind of crazy you know how the influence like goes and like the baby steps the plants the seeds are planted that grow right and when i uh when i got admitted to the hospital two years ago for a blood clot in my lungs i was with my mom in the hospital for like eight nine hours before uh, they put me into like an like wow. a, like a like a room you know and you know i was there hyperventilating in a lot of pain because they told me hey hello, yeah you have a blood clot in your lungs but right now there's really they weren't really giving me anything other than pain medication you know so like but they're telling me that i could have died Wow. You know, and they're like, they're really like, and like, I should be happy that I'm proud that I came to the hospital to get it checked out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the whole night I was there with my mom, you know, I was telling, like, I was telling her about, you know, my experience with uh, almost drowning and how I thought about my relationships, you know, and then me recently reevaluating my relationships, you know, and I am very happy to say, like, I was happy to say that they were good. I was happy with most Aww. most relationships that I had. And that if this was my time, I'm happy. And I'm, I was good with it. Then and so like, be it. It was, but it was really difficult for my mom to hear that. Oh, I bet. Like, she started crying. Because I told her, like, hey, like, you know, if this is my time or if my time is soon, I want you to know that, you know, I, f- I felt like I had a full life. Not necessarily because of my own experiences, but because of all the amazing people that I met, all the amazing relationships, conversations that I've had, you know, like I lived through their experiences, all these people that I've talked to, you know, their experiences with traveling or like crazy stuff, like them telling me that made me feel like I was there with them, you know? So like the accumulation of everything I've been doing led me to believe like, Hey, like if this is my time, I, be- I truly believe I lived the full life because of who I had with me, you know? But, yeah, it was really difficult for my mom to hear that and to even, like, I can't, we kind of stopped talking about it because she was just crying. It's just too much. She didn't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, she didn't. She couldn't fathom the idea of her son dying. And when we've had conversations about death, you know, it, she said that if any of her kids die, she will die. <laughs> But in our head, I'm like, mom, like, you know, if like, if I, if example, I die and you die, you're going to leave my other sisters. You're going to leave my dad, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the hardest things I can only imagine for a human to go through is to, you know, just death in general. But for a parent to witness their own kid dying before them, I heard that's like one of the most tragic, you know, things in life that could ever happen. And for your mom to feel that is completely valid, but 
in a logical way, like how you're saying, but mom, it's like, yes, you'll be in such great pain, but look at the greater pain you'll leave behind if you were to go down that, you know? And so like, wow, what an act of bravery it was to confront that, to own what you said, you know, to own your life like you did. You know? Yeah, I mean, definitely psychedelics helped. Yeah, you know, it right? led me to like this understanding that you know I. Uh, it's just part of the process. Yeah, like I can't control when I'm gonna die, and especially now knowing that I have this this thing inside of me, which is lupus, that's constantly trying to kill me. You know, I like I I'm always reminded that like I, I like lupus was always always just randomly reminds me with the, with pain randomly right. like hey like you know I feel pain in my wrist i feel pain in my hands i feel pain in my legs like it's just a reminder of my mortality right you know and it's become so consistent where i think about it a lot you know Mm -hmm. i think about i don't know when my time is here but you know whatever time i do have i want to experience it the most i can Mm -hmm. and this podcast is in is a is a is an ex, ex like is an extent of that right you know me being able to have these conversations with these people that i love these people that i really cherish you know allows just another part of me to live live on and mm-hmm. be left here for maybe others to get something from it right you know because i like i yeah like you don't know when your time is up and don't. i truly like don't know if i'm gonna be here for a long time but i know that whatever we leave here whether it's the relationships whether it's things like this this episode this podcast you know or like passion projects that you make you build like those are the things that are left behind and remembered you know mm-hmm. and those are should be celebrated yes you know like i i i've been seeing death more as like being celebrated like the celebration of life like the appreciation of life that that part of my podcast where like the, that that's explaining the premise of it it's at the end for a reason mm-hmm. you know like exploring culture relationships nature art consciousness and the appreciation of life mm-hmm. that was has always been there because you don't know when life is like you don't know the end of your life you're you never know, guaranteed like, yeah you know? you know the appreciation of life is all about being in a moment like you know like a carpe diem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know seizing a moment understanding that what you have for sure is right now mm-hmm. you know and to enjoy it mm-hmm. you know and uh you've seen kung fu panda right <laughs> i've seen parts of it yeah okay so <laughs> the first movie has a beautiful quote that like i don't think i'll ever forget it's from the turtle master Ugwe, mm-hmm. you know who said that yesterday uh oh my god how does how does it go it goes um yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery but today is a gift that's why it is called present yes oh my god yes like it's so true. It's so true. We can't control anymore what happened to us in the past. And so like that act of separation and to be able to be okay with what happened, but not to be so anxious and like agitate about the unknowingness of what the future holds, because that'll come in its due time if it comes. But what we have right now is what the most real is, you know, and like, what are you doing to make yourself feel alive? You know, and like, I love that you're able to go into your passions to be able to go into life now with a totally different set of lens. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. 
but like you are surviving you are beating the odds you know because of this stupid disease yeah i mm. mean shout out pharmaceuticals <laughs> yes modern medicine yeah, does modern have medicine its perks it's you know? amazing right i mean it's the whole reason why i don't feel pain every day mm -hmm. like you know yeah i randomly feel pain but like the medicine i take genuinely like stabilizes that. it's incredible I mean, right yeah oh like, my gosh i i stopped taking one of my medications not on purpose which because i ran out of in my insurance so i ran out of my prescriptions and in three weeks i started feeling the pain that i was feeling like before when i was diagnosed with lupus like the mm -hmm. 24 7 pain mm -hmm. where like i couldn't even wash my hands oh, you know wow. like, I can't, like it was really difficult for me to even drive and move my fingers and open doors really and like it just reminded me like wow like this could be so much worse and, like yeah. thank god like i feel okay mostly for mm -hmm. the most for the most part like every day and like i'm able to live my life the mm -hmm. way i, I couldn't I wish and I would, I would like to, you know? Yeah, like, you're given that sweet reminder, a hard, scary reminder. But, wow, if you're using it to its full extent, then I feel like you're doing it right, you know? Like, there's, I know a couple of people who've had NDEs, near-death experiences, and very different outcomes <laughs> like these are like some people that i've worked with in the past and stuff um or people i just came across but um they're just still in this cold shell of theirs in a way you know it's like it's different to see like well it's crazy to see the difference in human reactions and responses to this type of stuff you know and so like i want to be more i am definitely an advocate to be for those to be comfortable to talk about death you know like i'm trying to volunteer for the like um the order of the good death which is this movement that bases its whole philosophy on um death positivity and it's founded by caitlin doty i mentioned her earlier um Really quick, are you a fan of Duncan Trussell? Do you know Duncan Trussell? Yes. So mm -hmm. when you sent me uh, the podcast episode of yes. her, I was listening to a little bit, but um, it kind of brought me back to Duncan Trussell's episodes with his mom. Oh, my God. Oh, that hurts my heart. But in the sweetest way. Yeah. The show, like, The Midnight Gospel. I, yes. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, have you listened to the episodes, though, on his podcast? Because he has two episodes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're both long. One of them takes place, I believe, six months before she died. The other yeah. one takes place, like, a week or two before she yeah. dies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, tr I really admired and feel inspired by his bravery and courage to be I able to have time. that relationship. Like, to be, to be able to have that vulnerability the like the conversation with his mom you and know his mom is so regal and like so open and comfortable with it too you know like that is a face of the death positivity movement you know that's just one you know example of how it could look like if we were comfortable with yeah, it you I mean, know what, what you're talking about with your grandpa and how like he started the transition like five to seven days before feeling in and out of mm -hmm. the present you know seeing his mom reminded me of how she duncan trussell's mom was explaining this light she was feeling inside of her growing mm -hmm. as she was getting closer to her death mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's i cannot i can't imagine wow. or fathom the idea of what they're feeling exactly but i believe them mm -hmm. and you know when if the day comes where i feel it I am going to share it as well. Right. It's like how I see it is like it's based on 
the truest sense of sensations. Like it's, there's no logical thinking about it. There's no trying to rationalize what the heck am I feeling? This doesn't make sense. It's more of letting that sweet surrender take over you and for your body to feel it, you know? And like, I feel like that is often kind of challenging for us to do, you know what I mean? And so like when that aspect of death, it's like your body is shutting down and like you're going to notice the differences you're going to notice the deep like the, the the changes that your body is leaving behind you know and so like it's a different form of sensation it opens up new pathways it opens up like different conversations you know different conversations yeah i mean the and like just a, like the ability to kind of sense that is something that I didn't never thought was possible until I read the story about Oscar the cat. Oh my gosh, please. Mm-hmm. So Oscar the cat, it's a story about um so Oscar the cat is a cat that was born in 2005 was one of the six cats adopted in the Steer House Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in Providence, Rhode Island in the United States. So um, it was in the East Coast. This cat was um, working, like, was living in this, you know, in this nursing home and would be wandering around and, like, just like all the other cats. But eventually this cat would end up cradling and cuddling next to specific people. And these people would end up passing within a few hours of him cradling up. Wow. And it's become... To like to the point where it's like it didn't look like a coincidence anymore. Where this nursing home took protocol, mm-hmm. where whenever they see Oscar the cat cuddle up against someone, these people will call the loved ones of the person. Like that, hey, it's yeah, time. Like hey, mm-hmm. yeah, like hey, like you know, there's there's something going on here. Like you know, like you should come say like talk to the person, say your goodbyes, because oscar the cat is right next to him you know imagine having that little companion with you you know what i mean like if okay so you're in a nursing home you know or in hospice care and you know you're probably like alone maybe like your nurses aren't with you right now or you know someone's just happened not to be in the room with you in the moment but you have that warm fuzzy companion right by your side it's another living creature that's recognizing your life you know you as yourself and like to be able to sit with oscar i see him as the grim reaper's pet cat you know that is such a like that 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 is a perfect analogy Mm -hmm. you know for what oscar the cat represents because he was able to successfully predict accurately 50 people 50 deaths wow oh my god animals are so in tune and like into life with these other different senses and things that they're able to do you know like how some animals can predict certain like um natural disasters how they say like dogs know when there's an earthquake coming birds or know when there's like a storm coming yeah, yeah. yeah and like, so like, like cats know when it's about to rain like exactly like that is just weather components you know but it's still a part of life but for them to recognize these aspects you know of ourselves and like yeah, i mean dogs mm-hmm. can sense seizures you know they can wow. sense like low blood low blood pressures like really? with people with diabetic people like what? some service dogs are literally trained to sense when someone's like blood pressure is oh, high or low, like when, when the blood when the blood sugar is low, like mm-hmm. they like they give signals to 
to the person who's like like who's who they're working for technically right. you know oh my god yeah like like these it's crazy how animals <sighs> have these this extra sense and like they're very much in tune with their surroundings and what the universe has to offer oh yeah which i feel some to an extent humans lost due to like the amount of resources we've gained with technology that made mm-hmm. our lives easier where like we kind of walk like we shied away we we no longer needed like to be in tune with this extra sense but these right. animals do you mm-hmm. know and it's, it's it's incredible how like how the hell like can how can you explain a cat accurately predicting 50 people are gonna die right you know like just right. by laying with next to them mm-hmm. like these animals to like think about it these animals are not distracted by their phones or by wi-fi they are in tune with the world in a whole other way where you know we get lost sometimes you know like sometimes we just want to check the time for something and it kind of takes us away for a moment from a totally different thing or like yeah we just want to watch something or you know, we have all these other distractions, but we also like wonderful technology to assist us in other things. But it's what you said. We kind of shied away from these natural instincts. You know, like I love my dogs. I have two of them, Mindy and Nellie. Um, Nellie, we call her grandma. She's the abuelita of the home. She's like 13 years old and wow. we're going to give her a quince if she's still here with us in two years. Um, but she's blind. She became blind over time. And I've learned to really be cautious and to be aware of like, oh my God, she's so fragile now, you know? And so like we kind of baby proofed the homes. And so she kind of gives me this exploration on how to take care of another older being like this. Whereas Mindy She's younger. She's about like six or seven. And oh my God, I learned so much from her. Just seeing like how she interacts with the world around her. Like it makes me want to be a part of that as well. Like my animal instincts to be able to be like comfortable and sitting in the grass, like on with the open sun and everything. Like I love that. And like, these are things that I feel like I've became distant with over time, you know, you know, like I'd rather be comfortable in my own bed than sitting outside under a pile like on top of a pile of leaves or something but these are things that they're just so natural and it could be comfortable if we allow ourselves to but animals just have this wonderful sense of like you know entunement with nature and their surroundings that i just admire yeah uh i mean even my my own cat Mm -hmm. you know uh there was one time i was having a pretty bad flare-up in my body where i was just in bed rest Mm -hmm. And my cat, my older cat, his name is Sol, mm-hmm. he is not very much, his love language is not physical touch at mm-hmm. all. You know, mm-hmm. he's more of quality time. Like, he'd be down to hang out with you, let's chill, but don't really hug me. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, like, let's, <laughs> let me chill with you. But Aww. that morning where I was in genuine pain, like, I was literally groaning. Aww. Like, you know, and just being like, oh, when is this going to end? Like, not my life, but like yeah, the, pain, the pain, you know. Yeah, like, oh, like I just want to feel better. I want to go back to work. I want to do stuff. I don't want to be in my bed. Mm-hmm. And he came into my room and he just started like purring. He laid on my chest and he was cuddling with me. And like in my head, I'm like, what? Yeah, like, that's so. It was so weird. But you know, I just kind of, I just came to the conclusion that he may have sense that. I needed, you know, supporting a companion and I just needed that. I've read somewhere that like 
cats sit on you and purr as a healing process. They, the, it's like, um, there's a certain type of, I don't what's the word that I'm looking for when they purr and stuff like they're letting out the certain type of energy. Yeah. There's like a medicinal aspect with purring. Yeah. Like some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Like that. It's even in the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like whenever lions or leopards or these animals get injured and when they're licking themselves and like healing the wound, Mm -hmm. they're also purring. Oh yeah. So there's some healing factor with that. There is, you know, it's like, it's, and then for them to share it with you, for him to share that healing process with you, like he's also in tune with that as well, you know? And so like, I see animals as great examples for my work, you know, it's like really being in tune with an individual who's in that process, who needs that help, who needs that aid, who just needs the hand to be held, to be more in tune with that instead of being distracted with other things that I, that like a TV or a show or something, you know? And so like, it's amazing to see what they can do for us. We learn from our animals, everybody, (laughs) honestly. Yeah. They, they definitely have the value of like understanding, you know, teaching you presence, teaching Mm -hmm. you to be in a moment. You know, there was a picture I've recently seen that I've seen multiple times in social media of a man sitting with his dog mm-hmm. in a, like in front of a lake. They're mm-hmm. just sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. And in this picture, there's thought bubbles. Mm-hmm. And the man's thought bubbles, there's money, there's a house, Taxes, there's relationships and stuff, mm-hmm. you know? But the thought bubble of the dog is literally the picture of like where they're at. Like Aww. them sitting down on the lake. The, mo- the present moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. it got me thinking because... You know, I would, when I had my German Shepherd, I would do that a lot too. You know, like I would take him out to the Santa Fe Dam, to the mountains, you know, mm-hmm. to the beach. But our, my favorite spot to take him was the Santa Fe Dam. Mm. We'll just be sitting there next to like, next to the water, you know, mm-hmm. and like and enjoyed it. And, you know, he's been gone already for two years. And I made the decision to put him down because he was just in so much pain. His legs gave up on him. His hips Aww. gave up on him. I no longer wanted him to be in pain. Right. And I made the decision. Like, I told my family. He, so he passed away in June. In January of that year, I knew that I don't, I had the feeling that he wasn't going to live to my birthday, which is in October. Mm -hmm. So I had a conversation with my mom and dad saying, hey, like, you know, in all honesty, I don't think Rocky's going to live past this year. This might be his last year, mm-hmm. you know, and I plan on putting him down so mm-hmm. he doesn't suffer. And my mom begged me saying, like, not right now. He's not ready yet. Please don't, you know. So I told them, like, okay, I understand. But in six months, I'm going to reevaluate. Right. And we're going to have this conversation again. Right. They just told me not to mention it to my sisters. Mm-hmm. So literally every day I was spend with them, like, you know, I'll be talking to him, you know, and I told him, like, I don't know when's, when's your time, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I'm getting a little teary, but, you know, it was just a sort of sense of me to prepare, you know, that he wasn't always going to be there with me. Right. He was my son, you he- know, like, I took him everywhere. I loved him. And what I think you did was, like, the best thing because, like, to be in that realm of, like, you know, denial and to just say, no, you'll make it. 
you're going to make it. It's not about the quantity of life. It's about the quality of life that you can give them, you know? And so like for you, I think you made the best decision on being, being real with yourself, being real with your family, being real with him, most importantly, and say like, I'm sorry that I'm choosing to do this, but just know that it's with pure love and intention why I'm doing this, you know, and your dog knows. I mean, he trusted me. You know, like, he, he knows. trusted me with his life. And exactly. It's, it's a, you know, I think about him consistently. Oh. Um, there was one time I, I just microdosed in mushrooms in my room randomly. Like, there was really no purpose. There was no intent behind it. I just had time to myself. I had some mushrooms, you know, mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm just going to take them and mm-hmm. see where it goes. And I started to just close my eyes, lay down, listen to music. And, you know, I started like mourning of his loss. And it, was, it happened last year. So it was a year after he died. Oh. I just started crying a lot. Multiple times. I'll just have these random like purges of tears, you know. And I just thought, like, you know, it was just my body, like, it hasn't, like, there was some, like, there was still some leftover mourning that I mean, right. not fully done yet. So, you know, that day I mourned for him and I realized, like, the mushrooms gave, gave me that opportunity saying, hey, like, you know, this, it's okay. this might not be, like, you know, you're not, fu- you weren't fully ready when it happened. And I tried, you know, whenever I felt like crying, even though I was at work. You know, like, I called off work the day I put him down. Yeah. The next day I went to work, and, you know, I cried in the restroom. Like, just whenever I felt like it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the restroom, be back. I cry, wash my face, go back to work. And, like, about li- literally, like, three months ago, earlier this summer, I don't understand. <laughs> like, there's some things about memories and life in the universe that, like, I don't understand why. Like, what's the intent behind this? And one day I randomly woke up, and... For some reason, I had a very visual, detailed flashback of the moment that he died, which, Mm -hmm. like, is me giving him my contact, seeing the brown in his eyes turn gray. You know, like, because, and, like, that's, like, I saw his soul leave his body. And for some reason, I had that flashback, like, a few months ago, and it just got me really sad. I'm like, why do, like, why the fuck would I, would I think about that, you know? Randomly, unprovoked. Our minds, like, stores so much. Our subconscious stores so much. Yeah. I am amazed. Wow. Yeah. You know, but I tend to, yeah, I, 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 I try to celebrate, you know, like, his life. And I think about him a lot. You know, I have Snapchat. I don't use it anymore, but I have a lot of memories there, you know. And that's probably the big reason why I still have it downloaded on my phone is that I'll still it. get memories of Rocky, you know, on Snapchat. And, you know, those memories are usually very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see them, I get sad, but also, like, I get happy because, like, wow, like, sweet reminder. we had such a good time yes. together, you know. Oh, my God that's amazing to hear like, i feel my heart swelling listening to you talk about this because like i understand i know like how important this is and like it just adds to our values in life you know and like for animal to do this with you is amazing and like that's another process too like of a part of like well like it's really fun because well i want to say fun but i work at an animal hospital and so, like, 
I'm seeing the process of death a lot more common than I anticipated. Yeah. And to see, like, owners be with their animals in that time of, like, that moment where they know they're going to be put down. And to be able to offer comfort to them as much as I can, you know, be like wrapping their their loved animal in the softest blanket that we have, holding the little candle of remembrance where we put around the hospital to let people know that this is a time of grieving. I know that you're here to drop off your pet for an appointment, but know that someone else in the back is grieving for their, you know, their animal that's going to pass away. And everyone just cooperates in this, you know? And so like animals play a huge part with our role of death as well, you know? And like, it's, yeah, I, I used to intern for a vet when I was in high school. Really? Yeah. For an enti- for a year, I would go every Saturday at the vet clinic near my, near my house oh, mm-hmm. because I first thought I wanted to be a, a veterinarian, mm-hmm. you know, in high school. So I did that for experience and I, same thing with you. I saw a lot of animals get put down mm-hmm. and it kind of helped, you know, me put in terms like, Hey, like, you know, this is a natural part of life yeah. and which I think led me to have the decision and perspective of life with him that i had you know which Mm -hmm. is when it's time i'm gonna put him down i don't want him to suffer like if he lived a good life like there's no point for him to suffer at the end even if he doesn't want to leave Mm because when we put him down he didn't want to leave like he was fighting really he was fighting it you Mm -hmm. know like he didn't like he didn't want to leave yet and you know part of that really got me you know because like wow like you know like who am i to make this decision for him but he like i no longer like saw him in pain you know he yeah. was g- gone and then you know, i've had i had i've had beautiful dreams you know of 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 him as well and it's like yeah it's just it's so interesting seeing the process of death like all over the place surrounded yes. by this oh my god i've had interesting experiences with my grandpa and my father after their death and like with my family members too and I love it because, like, after my grandpa's passing, my family members, my immediate family, like my aunt and my mom and my brothers, my cousins, we started seeing my grandpa in our dreams. And, like, he's still grandpa. And, like, it's funny because, like, for a while, he was making his rounds with each other. And so, like, we'll only... So get this, there'd be a time where my aunt would have a dream with, about my grandpa. And the next day, my mom had a dream with my dream about my grandpa. And then my brother had a dream about my grandpa. But we didn't, we would all know about this until way afterwards. Like where, at a holiday party. Yeah, like, hey, so like, be like, hey, grandpa visited me right here. Wait, when was that? Because I had the same, very similar situation, but this day and then this day. And so it wasn't in, like until retrospect where we're like, we're seeing it as like, I think he's making his rounds. You know what I mean? And so, like, and my family, it's like, we never really talked about things like this. It's usually me and my little cousin, Evie, who are, like, really into about, like, you know, some more spiritual aspects of life. And so, and, like, she has, my cousin has a gift where she's a medium in her own ways. Like, she sees them, she sees deceased loved ones in her dreams, but they come to her. Whereas us, they just kind of interact with us for a moment in our dreams and then they just leave. But um, her and her friend, like her friend is an actual um, medium where she sees them in her waking life and stuff. And like she can see, you know, a spirit with us in a room and stuff. And so really crazy experiences. But like 
I've had this beautiful dream. I can never forget. Um, after my father died, um, I saw him in my house and, um, the house that I live in now has been like the family home that we've held for years, years, years since I, I grew up there basically. And my dad wasn't present most of my adult life, you know, like, um, from like 12 to now and stuff, he was absent. But towards the last couple of years, he was trying to reach out, you know, he was trying to communicate with me and my brothers again. And so, um, so he tried anyways, um, after he passed away, like a day or two afterwards, I had this dream where I had, him. Um, I was in my room and I just happened to look back and I see my dad passing by and I'm like, Oh, Hey, come over here. And like, he stops and he's like, Oh, there you are. You know? And he was like looking around the house and he's like, it's so different now. And I'm like, yeah. And so I showed him around the house and it was like, as if I was there in real life, like it was like, as if like, it was a beautiful sunny day. And I kind of reverted back to like my child self. Cause I remember looking up at him and I was holding his hand above my head. And it's like probably like one of the earliest times of like, it reminds me of like an, an early memory that I had with my dad, like being a little girl and I'm showing him like, Oh yeah, this is my house now. Like that's my dog. I remember pointing to Mindy and be like, that's my dog, you know? And like, look, there's where grandpa stayed at. And like, oh, now I'm kind of, um, this is where we have everything. And I just remember him looking around and like, wow, you guys are doing so good. And I loved that dream, you know, cause it just shows me that like, even though, it was hard for him to communicate with us, you know, as he was, when he was trying to, when he was still here, I know that I can be open enough to receive his messages in my dreams, you know? And so like dreams are also reminders where like, I don't know, dreams are just in this weird. It's a void. I'm pretty yes. sure we enter this void because like, yeah, we, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a weird. It's a psychedelic experience. Yes. Honestly. You know, I hear a lot. I mean, even my family, cause my uncle passed away. So my grandma to this day has dreams about him. Mm -hmm. You know, my, wow. my, my family has dreams about him. I've mm -hmm. had, I've had dreams about him. Like mm -hmm. I had one dream where it was, I was at Chico state at a really low point in my life, I was felt really lost. I didn't feel like, I mean, you know, I felt like I was failing, which I was, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I was very much aware and present of like what the situation was. And one day he just, in my dream, he, um, I was at a party. I saw him and in my dream, I'm like, you're dead. What are you, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. And he was just walking up to me with his open arms. And I'm like, no, like you're dead. Like, mm -hmm. why, why are you here? And he just gave me a hug. Mm -hmm. and that's it and mm -hmm. like that's the, all you needed to know ended and he gave me and like the hug felt so real that like the next morning like i literally like i just woke up crying i'm like wow like what a what an intense experience. how real it felt too huh yeah in some other way wow yeah dreams are dreams are a trip it's another portal you know i, I like to believe that it's a portal where you know different forms of life and different forms of consciousness can interact with each other I, mean, I, I yeah i've had a dream about rocky there was one one dream i had where i like he like it's kind of like he saw me he got so excited and i'm like what like rocky what are you doing here like what's up and like he like he was just so excited to see me and that's all that's the only that's all i had of like yeah. that dream but like wow like i was like wow that was that was just like a moment of reunion that i was able to have with him again 
you and know, he was probably acting time. like his old self again yeah, like and it was, he was back to his old body yeah, it was like everything. he saw me you know like after i got home of a day of work you know i come home he gets excited he comes up to me and i started giving him scratches and that's literally what happened like it was just a reunion and like, right. it was beautiful like i wish i had him more often but at the same time it definitely changes your mood of the day yeah (laughs) yeah it can it definitely can for better or worse you know but like wow is that him over there is that rocky yes it is i see a picture of a german shepherd by the beach it looks like it and he looks so happy his tongue is sticking out and he's like fully front face with his ears up he looks like a really good boy the best boy (sighs) i mean he was my son i loved him you know he uh he was a gentle giant so Mm -hmm. like i didn't really need a leash around him because he also had separation anxiety so he would always just want to be by my side right you know Mm -hmm. so um yeah he was uh, he was always really nice like Mm -hmm. he like he wasn't friendly he was nice yeah so he didn't like playing Mm-hmm. but he was totally okay with you like giving him scratches right <laughs> right know? like he knew his uh his boundaries yeah he knew like, his boundaries <laughs> he, had, he had boundaries yeah yeah, exactly, yeah. you know but Aww. yeah it was it's 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 you know memories are a very beautiful place mm-hmm. i think memories itself it's is an entity you know yeah. that lives inside you that wow. like you know sometimes it just randomly activates you know and you know, like it could be for some reasons that you know, it may be for sub- some subconscious reason. But you know, memories is pretty much like the history is what we have to live forward. Mm-hmm. But it's not something to like stay stuck in. Exactly. You know, and that's something I, I, you know, like it's hard to come in terms with because I've already had opportunities of you know getting other pets i mean we i do have more pets at the house but they're not mine you have cats that play fetch they yeah (laughs) let me just say that that's so awesome (laughs) yeah two cats that play fetch how does that make sense i I remember seeing a video of yours where you threw a ball and they're just leaping is it sol yeah sol yeah he was leaping and he grabs it you guys need to watch this video whenever you guys can it's so cool i'll post it for him yeah yeah. and so like oh my god how amazing mm-hmm. yeah you know and um damn this took a very deep turn I know. <laughs> I know but still i feel like it's so valid into what we're talking about though because like death comes in all forms and shapes with people and things that we interact with you know and it's like if it's if one doesn't have the opportunity to see or to be with a loved one passing, like a human loved one, you can still have that same visceral, real relationship with a pet, with an animal in your line of work and with yourself. Death comes in all forms, in all ages, in all, you know, species. And we can't avoid it. We cannot. And so, like, we're kind of conditioned to kind of just separate ourselves from death to give the dead loved ones to other people so that they can take care of them so that we can see them in this weird unnatural state of makeup and everything when they're dead completely you know and so like to be at least comfortable with the thought of what would you want to happen or to be comfortable with the idea of like someday it will happen so how am I gonna live my life now from here on out you know and so yeah it's there's so much that can be said and experienced through that realization you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's definitely something that people don't think about often maybe even enough Mm -hmm. you know 
Uh, mm-hmm. But also don't like don't really dwell in it. I don't yeah. think that's also like that. That isn't really. There should be a balance, you know, yeah. and allow yourself to at least think about these stuff, you know, like like allow yourself to at least start the process of preparing, you know, mm-hmm. for what is to come, which is it's 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 fixed. Right. You have no way to escape. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. So, like, if you knew that you're going to die in a few months okay and you know you know what's going to happen regardless how would you want your last day to look like that until like your last full day of being active in the world to that moment of dying how would you want that to look like wow i never thought about how my last day would be here but i mean just off the top of my head I would like, a, you know, just kind of a little bit of everything of what I love. So I want to start my day, you know, with my family, you know, breakfast with them, hang out, annoy them, you know, bug them, mm-hmm. you know, maybe mm-hmm. do some laughs. I, I would also love to spend some time in nature, whether it's going to the mountains. I'd rather go to the mountains than a beach, you know, be somewhere green. You know, at least at the moment, I would like to also, like, smoke some weed, mm-hmm. you know, like, get high and allow allow myself to feel, like, the beauty of it, you know, one last time. And, you know, like, talk to some friends. I don't really have anyone in mind, you know, just whoever's available. Let's hang out, you know, mm-hmm. come with me to the mountains, you know, let's spend time. But, yeah, like, I would rather, I, I personally, I don't think I would want to be alone you know, at all, whether it's spending time with my family or my friends. Actually, no, I, I would, I would like some time driving alone. There you go. I feel like that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, just a solid 30 minutes to an hour, just go on a drive, mm-hmm. allow myself to feel the wind, you know, feel the sun, mm-hmm. like let, cause I spent a lot of time in the car, you know, um, it's a nice time of reflection too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what else I want. I really don't. You know, if I could spend time with my family, with my friends, with myself, you eat know, eat all the foods that you love to eat, dude. I'll eat know? pizza for sure. Yes, like, bomb ass pizza. Do like, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. pizza is a must for my last day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that I, I haven't thought about it. I think next time. You know, I, ho- I hope to have, I hope have a more detailed relation. But what about yourself? Well, on my last day, on my last full day of being active, I would do very something similar where I would love to have start my day off sitting outside with my dogs, maybe with my cup of coffee, and then have family come over. I want my immediate family come over, which is which includes my mom, my two brothers, my grandma, my aunt, and my two cousins. Like... I want them there with me. And our family dynamic is so fun. Like we're always shitting on each other and like, it's very playful and very fun. And like, we're very sarcastic with each other, but I want that. I don't want them to sob. I don't want them to like, be like, Vicky, I want them to laugh with me. I want them to roast me. I want a roast. Okay. Like, especially on my funeral. Okay. On my, by day of my funeral, when I'm already dead, 
I don't want people grieving. I want people to talk about the most absurd, embarrassing history or yeah. memory that they share with me. Because I'm dead. I don't care. I'm not going to have any ego to be like, stop it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want them to share like the most embarrassing photos of me. You know, I want them to laugh about this stuff. And so I want to, on my last day, I want to contact my friends. So once we're available, whatever money I have left over, I want to spend it on them. I want to give it to my friends and families. I want to say like, no, let me treat you out. Okay. Like if they're trying to fight, say like, no, you know, you're passing away. Be like, where is my money going to go to save your money? Let me treat you out to some food, maybe something bougie that we never really eat or something very simple at the same time, you know, like having a picnic somewhere at a beautiful beach. Or like you said, I love the woods. I love the woods. If I can have like a little group of people maybe like three people to go on a cool hike while smoking a j with me you know having my dogs with me you know that would be wonderful i think about how i would like my very last moment where i know that i'm dying i would love to have it at home i would love to be in the comfort of my own bed surrounded by my things that i've collected my room is like I don't know. My if you were ever to see my room, it's just like a whole menagerie of different things, things that I've collected over the years, rocks, artworks, plants, stuff. Artifacts. Yes. And so I want my loved ones to be there with me. One of my favorite scents is mint. And so like I would love to have the smell of mint around like me. Like a candle one? Yeah. Okay. Or like, you know, something to remind me of that smell. I love fruits and flowers. So if people can have like if i have my little altar set up where i have flowers everywhere because i'm i love decorations i love accessories one of the things i want to do is have all my jewelry laid out and i have a lot a lot my jewelry laid out that was handed to me that was that i bought over time and i want my friends and families to pick which ones they want to keep it you know i love that i want them to just have it you know go through my clothes too hell i don't give a care but mainly it's my jewelry that i feel more attached to and so give the ones that i know who meant more that that the ones that mean so much more give it to people individually but then let the rest out for everyone to grab you know and i just want to have stories i want people to just listen to me while i just talk for a moment and have conversations with them i love soup so I would love to have people bring me ramen or something, but I want to be wrapped in like my nicest clothes that I can, very comfortable clothes and have tea with them too. But I have that moment of like me being surrounded on my bed with all my loved ones. If Nellie's with me or not, my old lady grandma, I would love to have like a plush of her that kind of reminds me of her right there next to me. Mindy yeah. would be right here on my right hand side. And, like, just have my animals with me while I have visitations with me, you know? That would be something I would like for my last moments here on Earth. Yeah. No, last moments, I don't really know what I want. I mean, I think at the end, I would rather spend with my initial family, you know? Mm -hmm. With my sisters and my parents. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'll just want that tight circle at the end. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Like, I definitely feel... 
I would like to also have the funeral process be more of a celebration than mourning, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. I think I've done enough stupid things where everybody has something to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I've done enough stupid shit where people have, like, funny stories to say, yes. you know? and bond over that instead yes. of, like, the typical, he was a good man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, he was an idiot sometimes, but he was great. I agree, <laughs> yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, honestly, Victoria... I don't know what else to talk about. I think th- I I I think we've gone through enough of time right there's now. So much, yes. But definitely, I feel there's so much more we could talk about in the future, and mm-hmm. I would love to have you back on. Of course, I would love to be on again. This was a wonderful opportunity to talk about this with you. We covered a lot, we've, you know. We've covered deep a lot. Stuff. We've 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 uh, opened up, you know, a lot. And I just want to say thank you, you know, uh, to opening up because I don't think neither of us has seen that part of each other yeah you know we fucking cried in front of each other right now (laughs) and for our listeners thank you for still being here and listening you know and like i invite you to also think about what is it that you would like your last time on earth to look like if it's too gruesome to think about then i understand but after hearing our talks and our experiences how does that look like to you and give it time think about it think about you know and like make it come true because in reality like you know what you think about is essentially what are your values you know what's important to you and if that's not something you think about often use this as an opportunity to do that because i think that's really healthy to just reevaluate what are your priorities in life what are your intentions you know what what is it that you want Mm -hmm. and this is a good opportunity for it you know like you don't really need to see it as something depressing Mm -hmm. because if you realize like wait like you know, I would have loved to have more more stories of traveling. Mm-hmm. Do it. Didn't do it. Because personally, me, that's something I wish I could do more is travel. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm trying to do more, mm-hmm. you know? And take advantage. Yes. Like, yes, take advantage. But for those of you, yes. And for those of you who are still listening, thank you. I appreciate you. I, you know, clearly this is all about just, you know, sharing life experiences and quote and you know what we've learned and i hope you maybe have learned something from this if not i hope maybe one of these days you know like you'll just think about death (laughs) it's gonna come no matter what yeah it's inevitable you Mm -hmm. know and yeah i'm so i'm so happy that i had this conversation with someone who's so in tune and so open to to that you know because this is a taboo topic but that's something that I have, you know, um, I want to use this platform as an opportunity to, you know, explore those those mm-hmm. topics. So thank you again, Victoria, for your time. I appreciate you. And I hope to have you back. And again, so if people want to find you, mm-hmm. um, where, where can I find you? at? You can find me on Instagram where I'm most active underscore B-U-N as in Nancy, B-U-M s so bun bums and from there you can see on my bio that my podcast link is on there so give it a listen you know we're we're still working on our kinks and everything and stuff and so like we're at baby level but bear with us these are gonna be fun talks and you know just that's mainly where you can find me at i'd love to hear from other people like as i mentioned earlier i live to learn and i love to communicate and conversate with people so if you have anything to share or you want to bring to my attention, I'd love to hear it. 
thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, Caesar, to talk well, about thank this. Thank you, Victoria. And you could find me on Instagram and Twitter at Zenith underscore podcast. Also, I have a new TikTok. Hopefully, oh, nice. I, I believe it's going to be live um, mm-hmm. when this episode is released. It's going to be at Find the Zenith. Nice. At, at TikTok. I also have a Twitter. Well, the podcast has a Twitter called Breakfast in the Liminal Zone. Please give us a follow and a listen to also. Yes. And till next time, again, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And you know where to find me at. Mm-hmm. The Zenith. Goodbye. I love you. I love you. <laughs>